Hey, I know you're here for the podcast, but give me 30 seconds to talk about a new service we just released for anyone working in a CPG brand. Finding the perfect co-packer or supplier can be a real pain. You spend hours Googling options, texting your colleagues, asking around different Slack groups, and still you get nothing. That's why we created Fiddle Connect Consulting, a done-for-you service that does all of the hard work of finding your dream co-packer or supplier. Best of all, it's 100% guaranteed and you get three free months of Fiddle Inventory Operations software included. Interested? Just go to lp.fiddle.io forward slash FCC. That's lp.fiddle.io forward slash FCC. Now, on with the episode. Welcome to the Physical Product Movement, a podcast by Fiddle. We share stories of the world's most ambitious and exciting physical product brands to help you capitalize on the monumental change in how, why, and where consumers buy. I'm your host, Ken Ojuka. In this episode, I talk with Mark Samuel, founder and CEO of I1 Organics, a brand of flavor-infused snacks made from plant-based proteins like peas, beans, and brown rice. In our discussion, we talk about how Mark was able to spot the need in the market and develop a product to fit the market opportunity. We talk about some of his strategies to develop wholesale and retail partnerships. We also talked about the value of gaining experience by simply rolling up your sleeves and just doing it. Mark is a great founder with some incredible insights. I really enjoyed the conversation, and I hope that you do too. Yeah, hey, Mark, how you doing? Uh, thanks for joining me. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, hey, just to kick things off, uh, you want to share a quote um, that maybe you live by or that's impacted you in some way? Oh, I have no idea. I don't do quotes. <laughs> I, don't do, I don't do reading, and I don't do quotes. So how about just, uh, I'm, I'm fortunate to, to have woken up this morning. God's given me another day on the planet. Hey, good enough. That might be the best quote, actually. So good stuff. Um, so why don't you just tell us about what you did before I won Organics? And of course, we'll, we'll get into your, your product and what you do now, but I just want to get a little bit of a history. Uh, sure. Uh, before I won Organics, uh, I had founded a sport bag manufacturing company called Fitmark. And our main category that we were in was meal management bags. So bags that had a, an accessible meal container or uh, cooler within the bag. Cool, cool. And and uh, it looks like you've been into kind of health and fitness for, for a long time. Is that just something that you've just been into? Uh, yeah, I'm a lifelong uh, health and wellness enthusiast. Uh, and so the last few ventures that I've been involved with have been in the health and wellness space, which has been lovely. Uh, as they always say, you want to be doing something that you're passionate about. And so uh, I've just been fortunate to to be involved with a few brands um, that I was really, really into. And, you know, this being the most passionate one that I, I, I've found so far. Okay, awesome. So why don't you just tell us uh, a little bit about what I1 uh, Organics is and uh, what makes you guys unique in the market? Sure, we're a plant-based snack company. Uh, our core ingredients are legume-based, so peas and beans. Uh, so we have a higher protein and fiber level uh, when it comes to our salty snacks. And then, of course, what everybody knows us for, we're organic certified, and we just have amazing, bold flavors combined with our products. Okay, awesome, awesome. So uh, you were the founder, is that correct? That's correct. 
So what led, why don't you take us just back a little bit, what led you to uh, enter this market and to take an interest in this product? Sure. As I was uh, sort of phasing out of Fitmark, uh, I really wanted to get in food and beverage. And I saw there was a white space in, in what I'd consider to be the savory side of protein snacks and not protein snacks in the, in the sense that most would know it, such as bars uh, and or things that are really, really super high in protein, just things that had a higher elevated level of protein that could potentially come from a you know, an isolate source such as uh, pea protein and or brown rice protein uh, and really start navigating that uh, arena. And that's how I found myself into developing a protein chip uh, as our original product. Uh, and then that was 2016. And then uh, fast forward 2018, uh, I had got into extruded snacks. So our core two snacks today uh, are a puff and a stick. Uh, both again, uh, legume based uh, with peas and beans and rice. Okay. So you mentioned that you really wanted to get into food and beverage. Was there anything that led up to that or did you see an opportunity or what led to that, that interest? What was the motivation? Uh, there's just uh, better economics, I would say. And, and I felt as though I could build a platform that I could could just continue with for a long period of time. I've done uh, multiple things in, in my 19 year career. And I saw that uh, a health and wellness platform on the food and beverage side would probably be best suited for me uh, because there are so many great things that, that are related to the things that I enjoy doing, such as innovation. Um, and as far as the metrics financially, uh, I had been used to uh, products and or services where you have a customer and you potentially only have that customer for one or two or three transactions. And I prefer to build on something that has a longer term uh, interaction with the customer. And that's, that's how I found myself here. Okay, cool. So it sounds a little bit like you are sort of the ideal customer, you know, for, for this product. Did you have yourself in mind or were you, were you thinking about a specific segment of the market? Yeah, you're always going to, you should be uh, creating a, a product for yourself. Uh, you know, there was a void that I felt uh, as far as savory uh, snacks, organic certified plant-based and the like um, that would have served a need for myself. Uh, I just knew that that my need, you know, I, I wasn't the only one out there. So I knew that there was a, a big market and one that we could, uh, you know, we could target and go after long-term uh, as far as not just health and wellness, but families. And, uh, and that's something that we are, we are interested in. Awesome. So were you, were you on uh, like a plant-based diet and are you still, or was, was that a lot of the, the motivation for having a plant-based product? I was adding in more plant foods. Uh, so over the last 10 years, I've transitioned into eating more plant foods. Uh, I'm definitely not a vegan. Uh, I'm still a believer in eating meats and, and things of that nature. Um, just less of it. Uh, again, everybody has their own um, you know, thoughts about nutrition and the like, I, I just know what works best for me. And I'm a big believer in that for, for consumers, but I'm also a big believer in balance and uh, balance in all ways and not just nutrition, exercise, social media, just your lifestyle in general. So that comes with food and nutrition as well. So a lot more plant foods uh, were entering my life. And, uh, and I knew that if I was going to be building a health and wellness platform with regards to foods, I wanted to be uh, focused on plants. Awesome. So let's let's talk just a little bit about your product development. You know, so so early on, you know, I, I assume you, you didn't have a recipe for this or or maybe you did. Um, can you just tell us about how how you came up with with your formula, your, your recipe and and then, uh, you know, some of the steps that you took in order to actually get your product ready? 
Sure. Um, you know, just like anything, when you're starting out a business in a new category or whatever, it may be, you just start looking around, researching and finding who's going to be able to help you. I knew that we needed a manufacturer. I also knew that manufacturers or what most call co-packers today could potentially help with R&D. And that's what I was able to do. I was able to uh, find one that not only believed in what we were doing, believed in me and was going to help with some early R&D. And we were able to get uh, that co-packer at the time to, to produce uh, a chip for us. Uh, originally, it was a little higher in protein uh, than we moved into, but at least it got the ball rolling and it started to educate me on how manufacturers and co-packers work. So a lot of people listening to this might be considering launching their own product. Do you have any tips for anybody that's looking for a manufacturer and uh, you know, maybe some tips on how to best work with a manufacturer? Yeah, never, 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 never do it. <laughs> uh, I'm kind of serious. Um, right, right. I, I say that jokingly somewhat, um, but because people know me and I, I say that all the time. I think food and beverage is an extremely difficult business. And if somebody is looking to uh, get into this one, I know you had mentioned product just in general, but um, if somebody were looking into food and beverage, they really need to understand um, the lay of the land, what they're getting themselves in- involved with. Uh, capital requirements, margin requirements, and just competitive reality of, of what it looks like in our space. So that's item one. Two is if you're just talking generally about a product, you know, any sort of consumer product, research is important and really dialing it in and connecting with the right people that are going to help you so that you can navigate all the obstacles that are going to come at you early on in the business. So, you know, a, again, it, it's really it's really finding yourself in a spot that's going to avoid um, early early obstacles. Okay, so let's talk about some of those those obstacles or some of those challenges um, that you guys may have run into. Are there any that you could you could share with us where uh, maybe you learned a couple lessons from? Uh, number one is margin requirements. Uh, just like you would know and understand in any business, I often talk about you know there's terms like Keystone and things about you know you buy it for one dollar, you sell it for two, and a, you know retailer sells it for four. Right? It's just kind of that. 50% margin requirement. Um, you just need to be super dialed in and understand the financial metrics of operating a business and really uh, controlling that. There's often a, a wishful thinking mechanism that approaches uh, most founders, whereas they think that they could save money later and, oh, I'll, I'm going to get into higher volumes and I'm going to reduce costs and I'll keep all of my overhead low. That, that all sounds great. It's highly unlikely that it's done. And why, what I mean by that is, the idea that you will get to that phase, that you will get to that level is already hard enough. So you might as well dial it in in the beginning, get all your numbers correct, get all your financials intact so that you have the ability to get to that point in your business. Because if you don't, you're probably not going to get there. Right, right. And something I, I also see people doing is just underpricing their product in, in general, thinking they'll, they'll make it up in volume or something. But um, you really do have to dial in those numbers and uh, kind of take a methodic approach to it um, or else you're always in for some surprises. Correct. Yeah, I think people, when they're not only pricing out the product, um, they believe that they need to look at the the overall set and or environment that they're sitting in and either, you know, just you you often want to undercut or, or come bo- right below somebody. But in fact, that's the brand that you're creating the minute you you do that. You know, there's a reason why there are premium brands and will always be premium brands. And it's because they set the standard, you know, from the out gate, right? And if you have that sort of thinking and, and, and you recognize why you are at a price point that you should be and you stick with it, you have the ability to not just 
sell, but you have the ability to really remain there and, and have uh, that be a part of your brand. And people kind of confuse that um, and don't pay t- uh, enough attention to it. Exactly. And and, it, and I think that you're saying this, but I think it directly affects the customer experience with your brand, right? Um, a, a lot of people try to have a low price product and then provide uh, an experience that they just can't afford to. And so, yeah, the, the price that you choose directly affects your brand and, and uh, your product quality. Agreed. Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, I, I looked on your website, it looks like you have uh, six, six different flavors. Um, was this something that you, you launched with uh, all these different flavors or did you start with one? How did you think about, about that? We actually launched with five flavors uh, of a chip. And so um, I, I don't believe you need that many. I would say uh, specifically in what we do, often it's three flavors, maybe four, but you can really keep your skew count low. And I'm a proponent of that, not just early, but you can continue to grow your business on on fewer skews. And that's also another uh, value add proposition really for, for yourself and your business is Lower SKU counts allow you to manage easier, allows you to drive your volume and revenue through those fewer SKUs, which allows you to do all those other great things, which is, you know, buying in bigger volumes of the things that you need, uh, and it allows you to manage your business a lot easier. Okay, cool. So let's talk a little bit about about fulfillment. Is that something you guys do in-house? Do you have a warehouse or do you have a fulfillment partner? How do you think about that? Yeah, we have a 3PL. uh, So we have a warehouse and someone who fulfills for us. Um, we've been very blessed uh, to find a partner that's not only been able to to keep up with what we're doing, but grow with us and, and be able to do special projects and the like. And uh, so that's just a, a sort of a moving element of the business as well. You just want to keep keep your communication intact, keep it, um, you know, keep it on the up and up because uh, there are strains that occur uh, between relationships when when uh, they're, you know, both are, are growing uh, specifically in, in a in a project like that, again, it's not just warehousing, you're talking about fulfillment. So there's trucks moving in now. And then nowadays with direct to consumer, you could be talking about hundreds of orders, you know, on a smaller level, uh, as far as packaging, uh, that takes up a lot of time and energy. So as long as your communication is key, your partners will grow with you. Okay, so open uh, communication lines. Um, are there any other tips uh, in order to have a good working relationship with your fulfillment partner? Um, and maybe even some tips on to, on what to look for uh, in a good fulfillment uh, center. I would say communicate. I'm a big communicator. Uh, I like uh, to be ahead of the request of another. And what I mean by that is, if you know that your business is moving in a particular direction and there might be strains, you should be the one bringing it up first. It shows that you have empathy and it shows you have understanding of what's happening. Uh, and it allows for a lot uh, of, a, it allows for an easier conversation. It allows for, for one where your partner recognizes that you feel for, you know, the changes that may be occurring uh, and you can have that open dialogue where they're not uncomfortable. I think that's a key element, something that I lean into, have done so for a long time. Awesome. Yeah, let's uh, let's switch gears just a little bit. So um, you mentioned uh, direct to consumer. What what's your mix uh, online versus offline? Uh, we we sort of sit around thirty uh, percent. Our goal is to be around thirty five percent as far as direct to consumer versus retail. 
Okay, so let's I guess let's talk about the the D 2 C um, a little bit. You know, it looks like you you do quite a bit of marketing on on Instagram. Uh, you got a pretty good following there. You know, what's what's the secret to this, or what kind of tips could you offer people who are trying to do the same? My biggest suggestion is find somebody who knows what they're doing. Uh, I know that sounds generic, but it's it's something that I talk about a lot. Um, there's a lot of time, money, and energy spent by brands that have no clue what they're doing. And I say that with all the love in the world. Uh, and it's only because I can say because I've been there. Uh, I've done, you know, I've done different things even before this. Uh, whereas you're trying to navigate those waters as far as direct to consumer, as far as CPAs and the like. And the reality is there are people out there who know exactly what to be doing, exactly what to be testing, and exactly how to execute. And even with that said, you still may be unsuccessful. And by that is the product, the market fit and the like may simply not be something that has an opportunity, but rather get there early and with fewer dollars wasted by working and spending it with somebody who knows what they're doing. So I I assume you guys uh, then use an agency or or is this something in-house that you've hired out for? In-house. Okay. And is that what you'd recommend to people looking to promote their product online? No, I recommend doing whatever they feel comfortable with. I know uh, agencies who, you know, have a good hand in it. And I also know really talented individuals who are either already working in-house for somebody or, you know, are kind of working spot checks here and there. So uh, it's to each his own. Everybody, everybody has their own temperature gauge when it comes to that. Okay, Awesome. You know, sometimes it's it's helpful to hear about an experience that maybe didn't work out, you know, marketing wise. Do you have any examples that you could share with the audience? That's a good one. I mean, tons. Uh, <laughs> ads, specific ads. I mean, it can specific ads that don't that don't work. There's um, communication, the way you've just talked about your product, uh, who it's pointed at, the demographic that it's pointed at the color of the ad, uh, what's inside the ad, that that's the whole idea behind direct-to-consumer. And then that's, again, just one-tenth of the part. And then there's everything that you are doing as far as being able to follow up with those customers. So are you acquiring the email? Uh, how did you acquire the email? Did that work? What email are you sending them? What is inside that email? Are you saying something that makes no sense? Are you saying something that's attractive to them? Will they click on the link that's within the email to bring them back to the website? Did you give them the right offer? What was the offer? Why didn't that offer work? Are you losing money on the first transaction? Are you making money on the second transaction? Are you making money on the eighth transaction? Is nobody coming back on the second transaction? I could talk to you about this for days. Um, that is, <laughs> that is a D to C in a nutshell. Right, right. And I, and I think what, what I'm hearing you say is that there's a, there's a level of sophistication to this that I think, you know, maybe newbies make, make the mistake of just, you know, thinking they're going to spin up some Facebook ads and all of a sudden have sales. Um, and, and you really need to have people on your team that know what they're doing and can actually track all these things um, so that you can move in the right direction. Correct. Let's uh, let's switch gears to wholesale or any any sort of retail partnerships. Uh, do you guys have any um, any partnerships um, that you could share with us? Yeah, we uh, we're national at Vitamin Shop for uh, nutrition supplement. Uh, we are in Sprouts nationally. We're in Safeway here in NorCal. 
We are in two regions of Whole Foods, which is in California, both NorCal and SoCal. Uh, we are in Kroger, out east, 600 locations in Kroger. Uh, and then we're in some really great um, regional and independents, Brookshires and Rouses and uh, Air Ones and Lazy Acres. Uh, we have we have a really great opportunity uh, retail uh, as of right now. We're still growing, got a lot of room to grow there. Uh, and then, of course, online uh, partnerships like Amazon and Thrive uh, have been amazing for us. Awesome. So so um, rewind just a little bit to once you created your product and uh, you're, you're going out and actually trying to build some of these these partnerships. How did you guys approach it? And, and maybe how, how do you guys think about it uh, in house? Is that do you have somebody that's that's in charge of that? Is that a big focus for you guys? You know, just in general, how do you think about it? Yeah, we have a director of sales. Uh, so each partnership is its own. Uh, we've been lucky to have both partnerships come to us. And of course, we go to them. And so it's just one of those things you're just waiting your turn. And uh, when the time is right, you're able to present and, and hopefully put something in front of them that makes sense and something that their customers are looking for, or that you have the ability to prove to them that you're bringing your customers to them. So uh, it, it really is all about um, a true partnership in, 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 in not just being able to go into their store, but being able to sell off their shelf. Right, right. So let's double click on that just a little bit. So um, who, who was your first one, uh, first retail partnership? Our first retail partnership was Vitamin Shop. Okay. And so how did that, that relationship develop? How did you reach out to them? You know, just, just a little more detail there, I think would be helpful. Sure. I, I believe I brought um, or had reached out. Again, I was in health and wellness before. Um, I've been in sort of the arenas of the Olympias and the Arnolds. And so I, I am very privy to the nutrition and supplement companies that are out there, uh, the GNCs and the vitamin shops of the world. So I was able to connect myself into vitamin shop uh, and, and bring them at that time, one of the few protein, higher protein snacks on the savory side that was available. Uh, so there was a great uh, opportunity market fit timing uh, that had uh, that it sort of connected all at once. And that's that's how I landed in their office in New Jersey. And that was our first partnership. Cool. I've heard you on on your podcast. You talk a little bit about um, brokers and you have some feelings about working with brokers. Um, do you have any do's or don'ts about kind of navigating um, that relationship? I think that's the same uh, as, as most. It, it's to each his own is every person and individual personality uh, and um, and their com- you know how they're comfortable with those relationships. There are really great brokers out there and there are not so great brokers. So it, you have to navigate the space and, and get comfortable. I think referrals are always helpful. It's like with anything, when you're hiring somebody, you do want to do some sort of uh, research on that person, individual or company. And I don't believe it's done uh, enough because there are a lot of brands, especially newer uh, smaller brands in our space uh, that, of course, have wishful thinking and optimism, and they're approached by people who tell them that they can do certain things, and that's not always the case. And so, oftentimes, money is spent when it shouldn't have, and you just got to be very careful with who you're who you're working with. 
Awesome. So um, also just kind of about distribution and uh, kind of marketing. Um, trade shows are really big in this in this space. Um, obviously, they've kind of been on hold uh, with, with COVID and everything that's been going on. Um, but with COVID numbers kind of moving in the right direction and, you know, trade shows thinking about starting up here later this year. Um, how, how are you guys approaching this? How are you thinking about it? And, you know, are trade shows part of your, your uh, upcoming marketing um, campaigns? Uh, not as of now. I, I don't know what's going to happen with trade shows and, and what they're even going to look like. I think we just we're fortunate right now to not really have to address that because we have so much going on. I just had gotten off right now, actually, with a Kroger. We were invited to a Kroger Innovation Summit, as they call it, and it was by Zoom. And so uh, we're just going to be able to ride out, you know, sort of this type of platform until what we believe to be a true trade show is, you know, and its opportunities are going to come available. Okay, cool. You know, just out of my own curiosity, I know you've got your own podcast, uh, Let's Eat with Mark Samuel. How do you think about it in terms of your overall marketing strategy? And how has it been for you guys? What, What kind of results have you seen? You know, we never really intended for it to have any results per se. I just was able to answer to something that I thought was was a void, which again is is like with most th- most things. I couldn't get on any particular podcasts or you know Zoom interviews earlier in the business, and uh, I wanted to, and so I thought, ah, well, I'll just do it myself, and that's kind of how it started. I think we're coming off getting close to a year. Uh, I think maybe I started in May of last year, so we're at about ten months. Uh, of doing it. I, we are, we're at episode 79 plus I've done 10 to 15 other episodes where, which is branched off from let's eat like a sales series. And I just started a marketing series. Uh, it's been great. I, the, the biggest thing for me is being able to just reach out to and, and have great conversations with other founders and uh, sales and service providers that are in the space. And so that to me is a win. And I feel like there's value add being delivered to those that are watching it. And that's the most important part. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And of course, you know, anybody that's listening to this podcast would probably be interested in, in your podcast as well. Um, so what's the best way for them to find it? Um, if they're on LinkedIn, they definitely, you know, look look me up, Mark Samuel, um, and they'll be able to find all the stuff that I put out there. So that's that. Or they just, you know, Google Let's Eat with Mark Samuel and all the episodes will show up on YouTube. Right. Yeah. And I, and I just went directly to YouTube and Googled and uh, I guess YouTube that and uh, found it that way. So, all right. So are you looking at any other other platforms? You know, I know Clubhouse is, is really big, making a lot of noise. Are, are you thinking about any of that kind of stuff or, or maybe even doing more in the podcasting space? What are you, what are you thinking? Not right now. No, I mean, I've been asked to do some Clubhouse stuff. I'm on there. It's funny. I just opened up the app. I don't even know where all these followers are coming from. Um, <laughs> it, it's an interesting, I've gone on it a couple of times. I've been asked to moderate a couple, which has been fun. I, I, I don't have much extra time uh, for another app uh, and it's all good. I totally get it. I think it's cool. Um, I, I, yesterday I, you know, jumped into a, a conversation that was going on. I, I just, um, I don't really get it yet, but I do understand it's for mostly for other people who really enjoy um, uh, consuming content. I, I'm not a content consumer. Uh, I say that all the time. I, I, you know, I don't read and I don't really like sit there and listen to any podcasts or anything, but that's just me. Uh, and that's what works for me. I have two young kids. Um, th- that's my, my priority work comes second and any extra time from there, uh, it's probably not sitting on a, you know, on, on an open dialogue uh, clubhouse, but again, that's just me. 
Understood. Understood. Um, well, you had enough time to, to write an ebook, um, uh, Small Wins, Big Victories. Do you want to tell us just a little bit about it and why you wrote it? Sure. Um, that was a, kind of an anomaly all through LinkedIn, too. Um, I had been posting, you know, which I do, I, I put out content every day on LinkedIn. And somebody who was a ghostwriter had reached out and we just kind of meshed. Uh, she was an amazing person and she had been following me. And she's like, you got to put all this into a into a little book. And I'm like, okay, cool. I've always wanted to do that. What does that look like? And fast forward, next thing you know, we're, you know, four months into this thing and coming to a little five, I don't know what it is, six, seven chapters of, of small wins, big victories, which is really about, you know, my ideas of, of celebrating small wins to get you, you know, through each day, each week, each month, and um, how you can celebrate those and, and get you, you know, sort of gets you on that, that, that path of, of that, that its own success right there um, through different things like health and nutrition and fitness and social media and, and family. And so that's, that's what we were able to do. Okay. Awesome. And uh, if someone's interested in that, where, where can they find it? Uh, they can actually text the word wins W I N S to eight, one, four, nine, three, and it will automatically deliver to them. Okay. Awesome. All right. So I guess um, just wrapping up here, you know, what's what's next for I1 Organics and what are you excited about? Um, anything in particular you can tell us about? Uh, we do have a couple innovations uh, that are coming out, which is cool. Uh, we are launching a new product next month, actually. And then we are planning, uh, which is we're kind of... <laughs> We're kind of moving this other innovation up just because we're super excited about it that we potentially could be launching in early summer. So we've got a lot of stuff going on as far as um, new product releases and just the momentum of our brand and our company is, is, is an exciting thing to be a part of. Okay. And uh, if somebody's interested in keeping up with some of those innovations and, and what's coming up with, with, with you guys, uh, what's the best way to do that? Our website, i1organics.com. And then, of course, following me, I put out a lot of that stuff early on my LinkedIn page uh, at Mark Samuel. Okay, awesome. Well, let's just do a quick uh, quick fire round. Uh, I'll just ask you a question. You just tell me off the top of your head any answers that come to mind. What's one tool or resource that has helped you the most uh, with your current uh, project? Doing it. <laughs> Just getting, just getting into it and doing it. Just yeah, doing it. I, I, yeah, just do it. Go, go do something and you'll figure it out. Okay. What is uh, one piece of advice uh, that you would give your 21-year-old self? Uh, not one thing. I would not give my 21-year-old self any information. The biggest thing you could ever do is learn through experience. I wouldn't tell my 21-year-old self a darn thing. Awesome. And uh, who is uh, one person that you'd love to take to lunch? My mom. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Well, I, you know, I appreciate you, Mark, uh, taking the time today and uh, uh, spending spending some of your valuable minutes with us. Um, I think that there's been a lot of awesome content here. Is there anything that you, you want to uh, promote or plug, you know, as we wrap up here? You're just your show, brother. Whatever you got going on here, let's get it out there. All right. Sounds good. Hey, thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. All right. Bye. The Physical Product Movement Podcast is brought to you by Fiddle. To find out more about Fiddle and how our industry-leading inventory ops platform is giving modern brands and manufacturers 
full visibility into their inventory and operations, visit fiddle.io. And then make sure to search for physical product movement in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Fiddle, thanks for listening.